0: Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Everyone, hope your fall is starting well. I don't know if many of you got to do any any travels in the summer or if you've got any trips planned, but every time I go to a new place, I am really struck by the architecture. And I did not study that in school. I'm just always just always amazed by the things that people can build or how they can shape marble and stone into such amazing detail. And so over the years, even before I became a pastor, I think the, the buildings that struck me the most to go in would be churches, houses of worship, big cathedrals, things that I did not grow up with. I didn't grow up in a space that it was just very plain. And so to go into these houses of worship was just powerful. So I want to show you a few photos today. These are mostly taken by Steve because My husband is my vacation souvenir, what I like to him to take all the pictures, and then that's what I enjoy when we get back. So shout out to Notre Dame. This is my daughter's favorite ever that we've ever gone to before it had the disastrous 2019 fire. So thankful we had time to spend there and to see it from all its different angles. And then there's St. Paul's in London. This has got the Millennium Bridge in the foreground. This is one where I just thought it looked more like a capital building or government, but it was really beautiful um, inside, and it was just really striking. Even on uh, a rainy day, we climbed to the top, and it's pouring down rain, and you're looking out over the city. It's really powerful. And then this one is interesting. When we were in Warsaw, Poland, with our friend Dorota, who many of you know, we went to church down the street from this. Now, we didn't go in here. We went to a church plant that was actually taking place in a hotel in one of their ballrooms. And then as we were driving by, Steve said, what is that? And she's like, oh, yeah, it's this Catholic building. It's called the Temple of Divine Providence. They laid the cornerstone in 1792, but then Russia invaded, and there were two world wars, and it took 224 years before they actually finished the building. So in 2016, they opened it. And still people were like, it still kind of looks like a a giant lemon juicer (laughs) like on top. (laughs) It's got that vibe. So people still had their critiques. But I don't have to travel far to be in awe because I don't know how you guys feel. But like I said, I grew up in a very plain drywall building. But I find inspiration in this building. We are very grateful. We have rented from here for seven years now. And I just feel really inspired when I come in these walls and see... Just I look up. You just if, if you're bored here, you just got plenty of places to look, right? You find inspiration, and I feel the, the present. I feel just beauty and worship here. And now this building will be 150 years old next year, so hopefully we can work with Learning Grove and have a big celebration for it. But now let's look closer, because interest, as far as the span of beauty is, it's very easy to see from afar. But when you get really close, Look at the individual pieces that make up the structure. So the first photo I have is the inside of the Berliner Dome in Berlin. And this is just an archway that Steve caught a glimpse of. And we see the, just every little piece made of different shapes. And there's little angels and cherubs in one part. And there's a mural that's made of mosaic. So even smaller pieces are making up Jesus' picture there. Then the Sacre cœur in Paris. Again, every little angle you see, but you see just the structure and how many stones and how large they are that it takes to build this facility. And finally, last week I was, this past week I was in New York City with my mom and she took this cell phone shot. uh, Because she was like, look at the inside of the ceiling. And I wouldn't have even noticed if she hadn't said it. And you can see this pattern above and just how many pieces that it takes to put together a beautiful structure. But our final one I want to show you is Westminster Abbey in London, and people there are the stones. They're holding up part of the building there. Today, we're going to consider a different form of church architecture from the book of First Peter. We're in our series called Hope and Light, and we're reading through two different letters throughout these weeks that are written by two different disciples who lived with and learned from Jesus directly And then they, just like all of us, we have a commission to go out and spread the good news of Jesus. So we get to see a piece of how they did that in these letters that they wrote down. They were trying to teach the first churches how to be a church. How do you live like Jesus? How do you share him in a world that doesn't know him? And so we get to see, peek in at a glimpse of how they're teaching other Christians to steward hope and light. Now let's remember the framework here. These are letters. So we have all kinds of different forms of writing in the Bible. But if you're writing a letter to someone, you don't lay it out in like an essay that's three points and has a thesis statement. Like, save that for school. So these are conversations. And you'll see that in each chapter, it's not really laid out like, well, I've spoken to you of this, and now I'm moving on to this subject. Now you see Peter coming back around again, just like, oh, let me just encourage you about this. And and I'm sorry you're going through that. Take heart. Like he keeps repeating himself. Because that's what you would do in a conversation with a friend, right? You would say again and again, like, I believe in you. Keep going. And that's the beauty in this letter is that First Peter is super encouraging. And so today we are going to read more of his encouragement. Let's talk about where we've been so far. These were house churches. So they didn't get to gather in a structure like this. They were meeting together in one another's homes. They were made up of Gentiles and Jewish people all coming together to figure out what it meant to follow Jesus and have this new name, Christian. And so you can see the area circled here. We've got that's where the churches are, and it's modern-day Turkey. So there's just an old and a new map for you. Peter talks about that they were suffering. In the last two weeks, we've said this is hard to live in the culture they lived in that every day they would go out of their home and people were worshiping God after God after God, and for them to focus solely on Jesus made them stand out, made them be different, and people noticed, and people mocked. And they could be, they could even be deported for their faith, like sent away. They could be, you know, attacked or mocked, but this is standing out. And so Peter keeps telling them, it's okay, stay strong. Anytime you go through something hard, God sees it, and your faith is shining through even in your pain. And so Peter said, just keep making peace. It's okay if you're different. Use it. Use it to make the world better. Make your city better. So let's hold on to that context in mind. Remember, these people were carrying some burdens here, and they were living as outsiders. And so today's words from Peter is he's trying to remind them who they are. They're struggling, so he's coming back to, let's remember, you've got a purpose. So we're going to begin in 1 Peter 2, and then we're going to circle back to a bit of 1 Peter 1 that we haven't read yet. Verses 4 through 5 says, As you come to him, and him is Jesus here, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So that's why my last photo there was people as stones, because this is what our metaphor is today. Peter's like, you guys are living stones, and we're making, we're making a church that's not a building. We're making a spiritual house that involves all of us together. Our English language is limited, so when you see the word you, it can be singular or plural, as you have likely learned in school. And so as you might imagine here, Peter is saying you to the group. So it's not an individual. And I like the Bible Project team, and on their podcast they said, the translation should really be y'all. And that's one of my favorite words. If you've heard me or if you've gotten a text from me, I might have said y'all. I made my phone learn that on autocorrect, the correct spelling of y'all. So it's biblical, guys. Y'all are living stones, all of you together, Peter says. You're in a spiritual house, and y'all are also priests. Now this is really, I mean, we hear it, we're like, okay, that sounds like an interesting metaphor. But it might have really been startling to them to read this letter and to be like, what is happening? Because Peter's saying, like, the temple, the temple that the Jewish people in the church Would have gone to worship at the temple that the gentiles would have heard about famously in jerusalem This amazing beautiful structure of worship. That's where You would go for special feasts to make sacrifices And the priest would intercede for people go into the holy of holies be in god's presence And that was the place where you were supposed to revere god and now Peter is saying you You are like the temple. God's spirit is living in you and y'all together as a body. So this is really just changing their perspective. It's not like the temple is bad. It's not like it's bad to go into buildings and worship, but he's like, let's remember that you've got God with you now, wherever you go. When Jesus died on the cross in Matthew's version when he shares the story he tells us this when Jesus had cried out again and a loud voice he gave up his spirit and at that moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom that's always been my favorite part of the crucifixion story because God's presence had always been everywhere but this was an extra symbol like no more he's not curtained off not just special people get to go into this place god says my presence is with you and this is symbolizing that through jesus we all have access to come close to god that his spirit was sent out to be in our lives and so peter can say y'all are the temple god's living in you Yahweh, the Lord God, who was, who was communicating with those priests in the Holy of Holies. He's in you. There's power. There's reverence. He's made us the beautiful buildings. And Peter also says, we well, all are the priests. You're doing the work of connecting people to God because that was the priest's role. They were, they were supposed to remain holy and focused and steady on god and bring in sacrifices before the lord and just be this connector between people who were imperfect and a holy god and the priest stood there and so peter's like that gets to be you now you get to go tell people over here don't know about jesus and you connect them together you are the priest but he also says something here about a living sacrifice because If the priest, their job was to sacrifice on behalf of people's sins, Jesus took that on for us. And so Peter's like, we're not not having to bring animals to the temple anymore. Jesus sacrificed himself once for all. So now we live as a sacrifice, that when we live focused on Jesus, we are living in a way that honors God and that we make sacrifices on his behalf but we stay living. Imagine. Imagine. Try to think in just how mind-blowing this was to be told that they had the beauty and splendor of a place of worship. I want us to look back. Let me see. Okay, I want us to look at two photos. The first is the model of Solomon's temple. So this was in this is taken at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And someone was trying to study scripture and said, what, what would Solomon's temple actually look like? What was the splendor that everyone missed and that they worshipped And that we can read about in the Old Testament? And so when people were imagining themselves as a place for God to be and dwell, this is what they had in their minds. This old memory of everything that was and all the beauty and all the grandeur that used to be. And then when the Babylonians destroyed that temple, people were longing. They were longing for another temple. And King Herod ended up building one. And we can see that in the next rendering. Now, this is where Peter himself, Jesus himself, and all those living during that day would have gone to worship the new temple. And everybody was like, it's not as great as the old temple. But they had a place still to go and to be and to travel and to make their destination. So how, what a different mindset to be like, you don't have to go, you are the destination. Bring God's spirit, God's temple-like reverence with you wherever you go. Let's keep reading in verse six. Peter says, for in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So, in the years between those Old and New Testaments, when the one temple was gone and before Herod had built a new one, people were ready. They were like, okay, when God returns, he said he's going to send a Messiah and a king. Well, the king has to go and sit somewhere, so a new temple will be formed, a new throne will be made, and it'll all work out. Like, this was their vision. Was it involved a building? It involved, you know, status to others so they could say, see, we're God's people. We're Israel. We're great. And so, they had this vision and involved structures and it involved authority and kingdoms but Peter was pointing out look here in Isaiah he's quoting Isaiah 28 and he's like look God has always said the one who trusts in him he always calls the cornerstone a hymn it's always about a person not a place Peter's like we've been thinking about it all wrong it was a metaphor guys this person is Jesus. And so if Jesus is the cornerstone, we get to be those pieces built up in him. Peter goes on and says, now to you who believe, the stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Fun fact, Jesus quoted this same passage. It's from Psalm 118. And when we study Luke, in chapter 20, Jesus spoke this about himself. He said, he quoted Psalm 118, and he's like, that's me, guys. I'm the cornerstone. And so here, Peter is like, hey, I remember that teaching. I'm going to teach it and pass it on to others. You can see directly, Peter learned right from Jesus. He's sharing, hey, guys, this is the interpretation of Psalm 18, the one we memorized as kids. Like, this is what it's about. It's about this guy who lived among us, who was God's Messiah. And when we studied Luke 20 a few weeks back, we talked about the St. Louis Arch. Remember how it was built from the bottom up, and then the last piece was that stone that held it all together. So that's one idea of a cornerstone. Also, in modern times, we might think of a cornerstone being that first piece that's laid, and that holds it all together, and it's built upon. But either way, it's that it's that important part that's connecting other pieces, right? So when Jesus said, He's quoting Psalm, the stone that the builders rejected. They're like, this one doesn't look right. We don't need it. And then they find out it's the one piece that they needed to complete the project. And so Jesus, in his day, was rejected. People were like, hmm, you're not who we expected. We wanted a king. We wanted a military guy. We wanted a government guy. He didn't look like that. And so they dismissed him because he didn't look like the stone that they were imagining. Jesus though, was the one who could piece together the past and Israel's great glory and their history and all the ways that God had developed his beloved people. And Jesus connected with the future, everyone who would come after, even to those of us today, that we are all connected through Jesus. He's the cornerstone. Now, let's circle back. Peter says, now that you've got this identity, right? Let's Let's be encouraged. Know how I'm beautiful and important and how you are a vessel for God's Spirit. Now that you remember that, let's talk about how do we live. How do we live in this culture where people are mocking you, where people are noticing that you're different? So you remember that your identity is special. And now verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1. I chose this translation because it says, So fasten your belts the belts of your mind. Now, on NIV, it just says, be alert. I like this one better because the original language is actually like more like this. The original language was gird the loins of your mind. Is that weird? Okay, so girding loins. Basically, if you want to flip to this next illustration by Ted Slampyak, he has gotten this illustration of here's how to gird up your loins. If you were wearing a tunic, So here's a step-by-step illustration of how you gather, and you would tie up your tunic so that you'd be ready for battle, right? Because tunic's in your way. Like, anybody here wearing skirts, you know, it's in your way, right? You need to, like, hike that up. You got to tie it off, right? So I just love this illustration here. But he was saying, that basically means, like, roll up your sleeves, all right? Or we would say, like, suit up, get ready, be on alert. So Peter's like, do this to your mind. Fasten up your belt, get your tunic ready in your mind. Why? Because if you're going to take action, where does action start? It starts in our minds. If you're going to do something, you think about it first. You plan it out. Or maybe you rehearse in your head. Anyone ever speak out loud something you have to say to somebody? So we start in our minds, and then we can take action. So here is what the action's going to be. Verse 14. Keep yourselves under control and set your hope completely on the grace that will be given you when Jesus the Messiah is revealed. As children of obedience, don't be squashed into the shape of the passions you used to indulge in when you were still in ignorance. Rather, just as the one who called you is holy, so be holy yourselves in every aspect of behavior. It is written, you see, be holy for I am holy. So how do you remain ready for action, ready to be different, think think differently, act differently? So first he says, put your hope in Jesus. Because there's a lot of stuff around us that bring us down. It's hard to hope in things around us, right? Things disappoint us. The weather can disappoint us. The accidents can happen. We can be physically disappointed when we're injured. We can be mentally burdened by anxiety things in this world disappoint us people break our hearts and so Peter's like just remember your hope starts with Jesus start there and that helps you to have the strength to go into the world every day okay and then once your mind is focused on him then you can live well don't go back to choosing hopelessness he's like all those things that you used to do that you used to try he's like those things didn't bring you any hope but Jesus does so Peter's reminding his people to choose Jesus. And then it says to be holy. The word holy literally means set apart. And usually we think of holy like, you know, those structures, you know, those beautiful places there you're supposed to be reverent and holy and quiet. But the word holy is just means different from the rest. So God is set apart. Yes, he's set apart from sin. He's the opposite. He's the light opposite of darkness. But God is set apart from everything. There is no other. There are no other competitors. He's God alone. So, setting ourselves apart means, like, just belong to God. Belong exclusively to God. Just say, that's who I connect with. That is who I belong to. Not sharing other gods. These people were living in a time where they could pick you need, you need this? You need rain today? Go worship this God. You're looking to have a kid? Go worship the God of fertility over here. Peter's just like, just zero in on Jesus completely. That's what being holy is. So now let's keep reading because they're hoping completely, they're remaining holy, and then it involves actions to God and to others. Verse 17 says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. You were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors with the precious blood of Christ. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. Mikey, I put those slides out of order, so I'm going to have you go back real quick. A lot of words here, and I feel like I have to read it so many times, and I'm like, there's a lot for my brain to comprehend. So, I'm going to go back. So, first, we're hoping completely in Jesus. We're trying to remain holy. How do we do that? The next two bullets are live reverently to God, and then love deeply other people. So, we're going to read the next section. Now that you've purified yourselves, verse 22, by obeying the truth, you have sincere love for each other, so love one another deeply from a pure heart. So Peter's like, if you want to be set apart, you want to be different. You know what looks different? Like, love Jesus completely, revere God, love other people. Love God, love people. You've probably heard that before. He's like, love deeply. That means like, through thick and thin. When stuff goes down, like, love one another. And it's hard to Love people on the best of days. And even fellow Jesus followers are going to disappoint us. They're going to get on our nerves. They're saying love through the obstacles. That's how you're set apart. That's how you live holy. That's how you have hope in Jesus. Because you're hoping that you're all hoping in the same Jesus. So try to love one another along the way. Because we need each other. Because why? We're not a single stone in this building. Y'all. It's about y'all we're supposed to be together on this that's why we have to love one another because we need each other to be this space for jesus so y'all are the temple y'all are the priests and what do we do we hope completely we remain holy we live reverently we love deeply those are a lot of things, okay? Take a breath. It's a lot. You can Pick one. It's going to be a lot to, to focus on this week. But as we take in Peter's letter, each week we try to look at, okay, who is he talking to? Who is he commissioning to go serve Jesus? And he calls us this week, he calls his friends living stones. And what were they challenged to go out and steward? He's basically like, live your lives. Take your daily lives. And be set apart. So they were asked to consider themselves in a new identity, but they were asked to show one another love and reverence. So, people in small churches, and they were trying to get along, trying to live differently from the world around them, trying to stay focused on Jesus. I think we can relate. Some days it's just like trying again. Some days are easier than others. But we're told that God's Spirit still lives in us. So the same words, some of the things that Peter talks about are specific to those, the context of the time. But that thing that is true in this scripture for us today is that Jesus promised that the Spirit's still here. That when we gather, his presence is here among us. And not just because we're in a pretty building, but because every time... We go somewhere, we take God's spirit with us. So when I interact with you, we're bringing Jesus together with us. And when you go and you talk to your family or your friends or your neighbors, you're bringing Jesus to them. You are his presence. You are the temple. You are the beautiful cathedral walking along into someone's life, bringing light and beauty and hope. That's what our role is. But we don't do it alone, right? Because our key word today is y'all. If you need to practice saying it, you can talk to me afterwards. We can say y'all all all day. But the thing is, why that matters, why it matters that we're not alone, is that we're not going to be great at everything. We're going to have days where we're just falling apart. And it's going to be like the way this building is cracked and drips every time it rains. You know, there's a piece that's damaged, but the whole building's not falling apart because it's being held together. So on your bad days, I can be strong for you, and on my bad days, you can be strong for me. We need each other. That's why he kept saying, y'all, we're not alone. God wasn't alone. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Spirit were made to be in community. And so while we might come in and you might really be struck by architecture or by the beauty of a building, I hope that also you're struck in awe by all the people who have built into your life. Who has made you who you are today? The family that made sacrifices so that you could live out your dreams? The neighbors who showed you kindness when you were in need? Stranger who gave you directions when you were lost? the friends who stick by you because they know you even on your worst days and they make you better and they believe in you. Those are the living stones in your life and I hope that you will count your blessings this week and think upon the specific people God has put in your life who has built you up. That's your y'all. And I hope that you might reach out to somebody this week and let them know the difference that they've made in you. Because none of us are on our own. Our beauty, our purpose is found when we're together. 1 Peter 2.9, my edited translation. Y'all are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that may declare the praises of him who called y'all out of darkness, into his wonderful light. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for building us up together that we're not alone. Thank you for wanting to be in our lives to allow us to be a vessel of your spirit. Allowing us to be beautiful temples where you dwell. Help us to go out and Be your presence in other people's lives this week. Help us to remember all the people who were present in our lives like living stones have built us to who we are today. Thank you, Lord, that we don't live this life alone. Thank you for building us into community and show us how to be holy together as a church, as your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.